Hello, everybody. I, uh, this is Pastor Steve. We're, we've got some projects going on in the sanctuary, so we can't do our uh, Hello Vineyard podcast in our normal setup. So I just thought I would do it from here and um, we'll spend the, you know, our time uh, here, me answering some questions and it's just easier to do it this way. So it's just me, no Doug today. Uh, and um, we're, we're actually painting our sanctuary and it's got the front kind of messed up. So uh, it was busy and noisy over there. So anyway, I'm going to do it here. And um, so all that said, everything is good. We're pressing on. It's nice to see uh, uh, some changes in the sanctuary. And, and uh, I think you're all going to like it. Really, the, uh, a big part of it was uh, so many people watching online now that we, we needed to check and make sure that the uh, it looks really good online too, as well as uh, making some improvements for uh, our folks in, inside. So all those things are happening. And Pretty exciting. I, I think you're going to like it. Hopefully, a lot of lot of things we're adding over the next month, six weeks, and um, uh, so it's going to be good. But this week, you got me here at my desk. So let's uh, hop in with questions. I have them on. A, I have multiple screens here on my computer. So if I look off to the side, you know, I'm looking at, at the questions. And first question is this: In Esther chapter two, why do you think that Mordecai is as instructed? Esther not to reveal her identity? Great question. Um, and a very interesting. Uh, so, so Mordecai, who is uh, Esther's uncle, um, basically, I think what he's trying to do is keep her safe. I think he's concerned that if, uh, even though he's very upfront and everybody knows um, that he's Jewish, he's concerned that um, somehow this might be a very difficult thing for Esther. And um, there's some idea that uh, if nobody knows, she can still pretty much stick to the dietary laws and things you can be under without people knowing and no one forcing her to break them, um, which, which could be a thing and put her in a difficult situation there. It, it, you know, it seems as though Mordecai is uh, aware um, that God is in the midst of what's happening. And um, so, so that's a good thing that she's being positioned for, for just such a time. Also, something very interesting, I think, is there's some similarities to her story and the story of Moses, right? That they're, they're both going to be placed in a line of royalty to, uh, that will ultimately help their people. So there's a lot of fascinating things like that in the Bible. But I would say that's the primary reason that um, uh, she doesn't immediately identify herself as Jewish uh, in this whole story. So that's a good question. And uh, I, I think, you know, there's several different... Um, uh, other reasons that, that people might consider, but I think that's a pretty good one. It, 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 Mordecai thought she would be safer, and um, uh, so it was done for that reason. Okay, next question. Uh, this is from someone's personal reading time. Is there symbolism or significance in the Holy Spirit taking a form like flames on Pentecost? And sure, um, uh, the, you know, uh, Scripture often uses um, fire as a symbol for the presence of God. Like think about the burning bush. Um, uh, there's other sort of times when that's happened. Uh, it was also a crucial part of uh, sacrifices. Um, you know, on the uh, if in Leviticus nine twenty four, fire on the altar of a burnt offering was a divine gift from the Lord Himself. Um, the Lord actually charges His priests with keeping His fire lit in Leviticus six thirteen. Um, any uh, fire from any other source was deemed uh, unacceptable. 
So I, I think, you know, uh, in this moment in time, all of these sort of symbolic things are happening. And, um, you know, the, uh, the, the fire has this idea of, um, uh, in the work, you know, the Holy Spirit, it's, it's you know, the, there's three sort of critical things happening. Um, he brings, you know, Holy Spirit brings the presence of God. Uh, he brings the passion of God and the purity of God. And, and fire is kind of involved in all those things. So I think that's what's going on. Yeah, it's very symbolic and uh, quite a picture of what God is doing and, and uh, how the Holy Spirit is going to be ministering um, in our lives. So good question. Here's the next one. In light of Galatians 6.1, how do you walk the line? What's the best way to get close enough to help but still protect, protect yourself from being pulled in? And the verse is, is this, brothers, uh, sisters, if anyone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore them gently, but watch yourself or you may also be tempted. So how do you, you know, stay on that line? Um, I, I think, you know, listening to Holy Spirit, um, wisdom, um, you know, there may be situations that, that uh, um, you know, if, if, if it's a situation where you might be tempted as well, you need to sort of be careful and maybe find someone else for that job that's not going to be bothered by that particular temptation. Um, but, you know, you want to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. You certainly should be led by the Spirit. And if those things are happening, then then I wouldn't worry about it. But be, you know, we, we can use discernment, be careful, and certainly, you know, think ahead into what's happening and, and make good decisions. I remember years ago working with a, a, a person who um, uh, was struggling with some alcohol issues and um, uh, loved it. And the person loved to shoot pool um, and was doing real good with the alcohol issues. And then all of a sudden decided to go and shoot pool one day. And, and the only pool tables were in a, in a, um, a bar and uh, actually went one time very successfully with no issues, but then all of a sudden went back and right after payday, I'm, right back into stuff you know you just have to use wisdom on what situations you put yourself in and you know and your strengths and weaknesses so um you know be careful and if if uh, to get to someone in a bad spot you put yourself in a really bad spot in a way that you're not confident that you would make good decisions and don't go to that spot but yeah there's you know uh some tricky stuff out there uh so we you know make good decisions be wise that's something that we're all called to here's another question i'm still reading in genesis and thinking about being made in the image of god please explain genesis 9 5 and 6 when i read that it seems like god uh, still considered man to be made in the image even after the flood uh, it's good and i think you know i answered uh, sort of answered this uh, a couple of weeks ago and um, this new series that i'm doing starting this week is all about what it means to be image bearers and what that looks like um so remember that image has to do with us sharing in 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 the vocation with God. You know that He called us to go and make a difference in the planet, and um, as we when we were partnering with Him in that, we were image bearers. When we chose sin, that got messed up, and our our uh, the enemy was somehow then you know fused into the image that we were reflecting, um, and and so in one sense, your people are still made in the image of God, but um at after the fall it was it wasn't the way it was supposed to be we weren't reflecting god until jesus really comes and fixes that now 
were there some people in the Old Testament? Sure. And, you know, there, there are things like that. And um, in Genesis 9, 5 and 6, well, let me read it to you. Uh, and if your, uh, and for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal and from each man too. I will demand an accounting for the life of a fellow man. Verse 6, whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed for in the image of God has God made man. So, um, and he's also talking, this is Genesis 9, like right after the flood. It's just Noah and his kids at this point. So there's kind of a vocation sort of back until things go south again. Um, and so, you know, the image, it, it can be certainly talked about there again. But but so as people, we always bear at some level the image of God, but not in the way it was attended. And it's been twisted and distorted by the enemy until Jesus comes and gives it back to us again. Great question. Good job. What's next here? Um, can I follow up on the point about sowing and reaping in the kingdom of God? And what do you regard as the top two or three kingdom principles that we should be intentional about each day? Great question. Yeah, sowing and reaping. So, you know, what you sow into, you reap. It's a it's a dynamic in the kingdom. Uh, and, you know, Paul was encouraging us to sow into the things of the spirit, not the things of the flesh. So, that we would reap the things of the spirit and not the consequences of the flesh. So, you know, how do we continually do that in each day? What are some things that I think, you know, we should be doing through the day? Well, I've had this thing for a long time that I've done with people and they hear me say it and I don't even, I, I don't know if they catch it anymore. I'm just saying it. I always say, you know, be thankful for five things. You've seen me do that and encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to debt. Um, I think that we need to sow into that thankfulness thing first off. Um, for me, that helps me make sure that I'm not tracked on things that I don't have, or uh, but that I'm tracking on the things that God is blessing me with. And, uh, you know, that's always find those things, even in the hardest of times. And it changes my attitude for the day. And then the idea of encouraging two people is so make sure I get outside of myself. You know, it's not all about me. I want to make sure I get the story right. Right? I'm part of the story, but it's his story, and he invites me into it, and it doesn't revolve around me. Um, and so the idea of thinking about who I can encourage, I think, is something that I want to be sowing into. So I want to be sowing into uh, gratitude. I want to be sowing into sort of, you know, the idea of it's, it's more than me, you know, that this whole thing that I'm partner with God in this story, and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and um, we're going to do those things. I think, you know, you need to be sowing into your spiritual life. Um daily. And that means taking time to pray, taking time to read the scripture, um, not getting so consumed and busy with life that we miss those things. Uh, you know, not missing God things and, you know, just getting busy with good things. You know, there's all those things that we need to really be aware of throughout our daily lives. I think we need to be aware of the, you know, that we are in a spiritual battle and make sure we put our armor on and plug into that. So it's along those things, you know, it's, uh, it's intentional, the this life that we have, we need to be intentional about it, or it won't happen. If you just kind of go, it's, it'll just happen. I think we miss out on a lot of it, you have to intentionally sort of get your day started, right, and then plug in there, and stay in there throughout the day. Good, good question. Next one, can you elaborate on the dual identity of the first converts and early leaders, leaders of the church, Jewish Christians who proclaim Jesus by yeah, um, great question. So yeah, you had, uh, you know, the church initially was Jewish believers, you know, strong Jewish believers who believed Jesus had come as Messiah, and how were they going to walk that out? And it was it was a tricky walk. There was a lot of things going on 
um, because these are people who had been, you know, strong observers of the law and all that it means. And now Jesus has come and there's some difference to that. And how does that work? And and then, you know, the early church was was still considered part of the, you know, the the Jewish sort of synagogue situation. Uh, They they were hard to uh, distinguish it initially. And, and so they, you know, they were trying to figure out where and how they could blend and what that would look like and where they couldn't and, and um, all those things. And uh, so it was a big, difficult walk. You know, one of the, uh, you see, you have Paul, right? He was a, like a zealot for the law. And then he, his main ministry is to Gentiles, although he, he, he is used by uh, God to minister to Jewish folks all over, but big ministry there. And um what does that look like? And he spends, you know, the bulk of his ministry sort of talking to people about this new life in Christ and how, how, you know, Holy Spirit now is in us and, and we're not under the law the way those they were and how these people are trying to continually put new believers under the law. And he said, it's, why would you do that? It didn't work. It's not where life is. Life is in the Holy Spirit uh, is in Christ and, and uh, you know, all these new things happening. Um, one of the big things, you know, that happens is the sort of, uh, conflict he has with Peter. Uh, and, and uh, you know, Peter initially was used by God to um, bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And we see that happen, you know, in Acts chapter 9 or 10 with Cornelius. Um, and so Peter was obviously good with it. But then at some point, people from the Jerusalem church come and Peter pulls away from the Gentiles, which causes a big problem. And Paul confronts him. We just looked at that in Galatians chapter one or two. two. Um and so, you know, they were having to work it out. I, I, you know, it's not, I don't think Peter was, he, he was having to figure it out. What does it look like to be a Jewish Christian? How does that work? And those guys were definitely figuring it out. So they had a lot of both going on. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's been, it's been uh, there's a lot of both going on still. So uh, even in the church today, an interesting thing, really good question. So I hope that helps a little, but there you go. Next question. Does God speak to us the same way he did to people in the Bible? And what are different ways we can hear God? Uh, Yes. And he speaks to us, you know, he spoke to people in lots of ways, right? Back in the Bible, he used all sorts of things and situations to get their attention and speaks, you know, directly and indirectly and, uh, uh, you know, all kinds of things. Um, I think, you know, he speaks to us in lots of ways today. I I think, um, and everybody can be a little different. Obviously he speaks to us through his word, and really, you know, the things that we we believe God is speaking to us, we need to be able to back up with the word. We would never get anything that would go against it. Um, there's all that. So a lot of times just in sort of reading the scripture and stuff, we, we can hear from God. Um, in impressions of things, uh, you know, I would say that, that there's something about... Um, often God will sort of give me a nudge or a thought, you know, and, and it just it's different than sort of a normal thought that I might have. Um, and I feel like he's in it, and then I'll pursue it and see if that's him and pray about it. And uh, if it seems, you know, sort of different, I'll, I'll try and get some confirmation or look for confirmation from other folks who, who I know um, and believe hear from God. Uh, and so there's just that sort of getting used to hearing and, you know, is that God and what does that look like? And I think he gives us, you know, a lot of opportunities to to grow in that. I share this story fairly often as a, but as a new believer trying to, you know, understand what it was like. And I have a couple of stories. So I was in a church service one time as a new believer, and uh, this was totally strange to me, but I felt like the Lord was prompting me to say something uh, in an appropriate way. 
And uh, I was like, I'm not doing that um, because I, you know, and like within 60 seconds, somebody else said the exact same thing. Uh, and, and so I was like, oh, well, there you go. Uh, and that was good. It was confirming in a way. Also let me know that God will use, you know, who's ever available. And, uh, and so I was glad about that, but I was like, oh, well, that was, I, I learned from that. That was God speaking to me. And then I had this other um, situation also as a new Christian, as I went in, I'd gone into a Tom Thumb. Uh, it's kind of funny to get a big giant soda. I used to drink a lot of the big giant sodas. And um, while I was in there, I had this impression that I was supposed to buy the cashier a candy bar. And uh, I'm like, I'm not doing that. That's weird. Uh, and I didn't. Uh, and then I went out, I, you know, and I bought my soda and went out to the car. And I, I really felt it again, like really strongly. I, the Lord's urging me to go and buy the cashier candy bars. Uh, and it was strong enough. That I was like, oh, whatever. And I, I actually had started to back the car. I put the, put the car in gear, drove back up, parked, went back inside. Didn't know what kind of candy bar. I picked up a candy bar and I went to the cashier and put it down. And, uh, and then, you know, the hard part was saying, uh, I paid for it. And I said, listen, I, I don't know what's going on, but I just felt like God told me to buy you this candy bar. So here you go. And uh, she immediately just broke. I mean, like I freaked me out, just this sob. And she said to me, it was her birthday and nobody knows. And so, uh, you know, um, it was those sort of things initially that kind of helped me to, to tune in a little bit. And not that I get it clear all the time, but uh, I do try and listen to, you know, promptings and leadings and things that happen when I'm reading scripture and, it can be uh, all sorts of different things. You know, uh, sometimes it, you can, I'll see um, different signs, you know, when I'm out walking or running or something that, that might make sense to me all of a sudden. And I'll go, oh, well, you know, it's something like that. And I mean, literal signs with words on them that will speak into me something that, anyway, it can be a lot of different things. So just be open, just be looking, just be listening. Okay. In a world that classifies uh, drunkenness, parties, dissension, division, selfishness, that is being human rights. What's the most effective way for us as Christians to flip that coin and show people the true feeling comes from Christ? Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that really helps me is uh, the idea I talked about, you know, from Galatians 5, that list of things that we shouldn't do, similar to that, is that those things make us less human. Um, and I think if people get a hold of that idea, it's that's kind of the idea that those things are dehumanizing that when you engage in those activities you are less than you can be in christ not and and the enemy has twisted that like well that's where all the fun is and all those things and it's not it, it's it's dehumanizing and that's what the enemy has always wanted to do he always wants to dehumanize us and then you know um, people go well i have the right to think yeah sure i mean people do they we have amazing ability to make choices, to do things that aren't good for us or for anybody, but um, we do have that choice. And so we need to be aware of this. So I, you know, I think we, we just have to live that one by example, and we're not going to be perfect at it, but we need to make good choices, realizing that, you know, our goal is to be more fully human, like Jesus, not, not be dehumanized. So that's kind of what's going on with that. And, uh, I think that answers the questions I have. Let me quickly check the website because I didn't do that and see if there's any more questions on the website that popped in since uh, since I did that. So let me go here. 
and uh, pop into here. And it's moving a little slowly because it always does that when you're wanting it to happen. Here we go, line press questions. Did we get any since I came this morning? Nope, I got them all. So good. Um, I hope that was helpful. Next week, hopefully, Doug and I will be back up uh, on the uh, on platform there, and we'll we'll do the show in the normal format that you've gotten used to. But this is going to have to work for this week. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Should be a great set of worship again. Last weekend was phenomenal, um, and uh, so if you if you didn't get to see it, you probably go check it out. We had a we had a great time. And uh, looking forward to this week as well. But that's going to be it for now. So goodbye, Vineyard. I don't even know if I said hello, Vineyard, when I started. But anyway, uh, goodbye, Vineyard. Thanks for being a part. And we will see you uh, uh, very soon. All right. God bless you guys.